Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. If you've got a question for Alex Pearson, who has, of course, been covering the Tim Bosma murder trial for us down at the courthouse, uh, now is your chance. Hey, Alex, how are you? I'm great. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks, as always, for taking the time to join us. Before we get started and uh, and so on and so forth, can you uh, please give us some sort of update how this all wrapped up yesterday and how we got to where we are today? Well, first and foremost, I'll give uh, full credit to Craig Fraser, who did an outstanding job on a, uh, on a cross-examination that was so clear, so concise, and so really uh, went right to the, to the core of this case, which is the plan, the plan he talked about over and over and over again, which was to steal, to kill, to incinerate. And I think he did a job of putting Mr. Smith back on his heels after a very kind of raucous cross-examination that lasted a long time with Mr. Uh, Nadir Sechak. Um, but by the time he was finished with Mr. Smith, he was hardly contesting what was being said. He was barely mumbling uh, his answers. And he ended off bringing up the morning of the 7th. So that morning where Marlena Menezes is picked up by Della Millard and Mark Smitch, and she testifies, and she also gave a police statement, that they were celebratory. They were so happy. They were bopping in their seats, she would say. And this is someone that Mark Smitch, who Fraser pointed out she was honest on the stand, um, and 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 by all accounts of all the witnesses we have heard in this case, certainly from the inner circle, she certainly presented as the more credible of all of them. Uh, the only one outside of maybe Matt uh, Hagerman who blubbered through most of his testimony, but she actually truly uh, showed a sense of remorse. But he pointed out that here she is talking about the celebratory atmosphere of these two men. Um, and he said, no, that's not true, to which Fraser pointed out, oh, of course, she's lying. She... Like, everybody lied except for Mark Smitch. And he said, you weren't just celebrating, you're celebrating the death and destruction of a human being. It was very powerful, um, but I thought he did a great job. And I think, um, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect with him in this cross-examination, where he'd go. But he simply went back to the own words of Mr. Smitch. And he simply took testimony that we've heard over the past four months and put, him in, put it in front of him to explain, and he couldn't explain a lot of it. So this reserved uh, fella who's been in the legal uh, profession for an awful long time uh, doesn't have a lot to say, um, except when he got up to do cross-examination. He was magnificent. Hmm. Uh, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Frank's on the line. Frank, go ahead. You're on with Alex. What's your question? Yes, good afternoon, Alex. I just want to say that your reporting has been superlative and most interesting. I could hardly miss any. Oh, uh, thanks very well, much, Frank. Well, I appreciate very it. Very well uh, done job there in this terrible situation. Uh, my question, uh, actually there's two of them. First, is uh, is Smitch's mother at the court every day? No. And how important is it to get the gun? All right, okay. first of all, Smitch's mother. Yeah, so she she has been in the court periodically. Um, she has come several days uh, along with his sister, uh, and they don't talk to anybody. And don't 
them. I mean, it's obviously uh, it's easy to kind of cast the finger of blame at the other side, which often happens in, in cases like this, but they have also lost an extraordinary amount uh, and gone through their own, um, you know, uh, troubles. Uh, so, yes, she has been there. Um, they kind of really keep to themselves. If they're not in the main courtroom, they go upstairs into what's called the overflow uh, room. So, yes, uh, they're really the only ones who have been there on the Smith side, and, and certainly nobody has been there on the Millard side, except for a woman, uh, a blonde-haired woman, who is the, uh, we can't figure out who she is, but she does smile to him every time he walks in. Uh, but she will not talk to us and tell us, you know, what her affiliation is with the case. And what was the second question, Scott? Well, the other question was, uh, will they still, how, actually, it's kind of a dual question. How important is the gun, and you think they, the, the, I guess the prosecution wants to get a hold of that gun, or are they going to just leave it? What do, you, what do you think? I know that you can't read their minds, but yeah. how do you see that? Well, well, Frank, the gun is never going to be found, unless all of a sudden Mr. Smitch um, has a, a, all of a sudden a, a remembrance, um, you know, some divine intervention, and decides to tell the police where he buried it. He just simply cannot remember it. It's on some magical planet, as Nadir Sechak pointed out. The gun is crucial uh, because it could have DNA not only from Tim Bosma on it, but it could have DNA from the shooter. Um, and so the fact that it disappeared is all very, very convenient. Now, this is what becomes a very big challenge for the Crown, who has had to put this case together without not only the murder weapon, but without a body. And that, in a trial like that, this, is extraordinarily difficult because it leaves you with a mostly circumstantial case. But what this Crown team has done uh, is present a very robust case. And they've done a fantastic job with limited um, evidence uh, and done a superb job. And I think they've got a very, very good case. Thanks, as always, Frank. Appreciate the call. Uh, Thanks, Frank. Let me ask you this question, yeah. Alex. Uh, if, by chance, Smitch does have a come-to-Jesus moment and <laughs> says, here's where the gun is, here's where whatever, um, will that change the outcome in some way? And will w- would they go lighter on him when it comes to something like sentencing? Would that matter, do you think? No, I mean, unless he finds it in the next 24 hours. But look, the, the argument has always been... Uh, certainly from the Millard team, if you felt so strongly that the murder weapon was Dellen Millard's and he was the one who pulled the trigger, why wouldn't you have just taken it to the police? Because yeah. it would have taken everything off of you right then and there. Yeah. And then you would have been, you know, then a guy like Mark Smith would have become like a chief, um, you know, key witness against Dellen Millard. But he didn't. And that speaks volumes. But no, that gun is never going to turn up. Um, and, and once this jury goes out, we'll be able to discuss more. But... Uh, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change anything. The bottom line is you don't need the party liability in this. So it doesn't matter who pulled the trigger to kill Tim Bosma. What matters for the Crown is to show that both of these men planned, both helped execute, and ho- ha- both helped cover up or clean up, uh, which is what the Crown uh, tried to do uh, and did, I think, a very good job of doing throughout. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Sharon's on the line. Sharon, what's your question for Alex Pearson. Oh, I just a couple of things. Alex, amazing coverage. I see an thank award you. in your in your future. <laughs> you know, oh, thank you. What they give out for this, but hmm. you deserve one. Um, my question was, um, who is actually paying for Smith's lawyer? 
Hmm. We you. had that one yesterday. You oh, I didn't. I, I'm sorry, I missed I, that. Look, I don't categorically know who pays. They don't talk about this kind of stuff. But the chances of a, a, an admitted drug dealer and career criminal having the kind of money to to put this kind of defense together is, is not great. So in a no. lot of these cases, legal aid is is what is paying for it, which is the taxpayer. Um, and as we discussed yesterday with Scott, um, you know, this misnomer that that you know legal aid only puts up kind of low budget lawyers is just simply not true. Some of the best lawyers in the country provide legal aid coverage to people. So I've covered many, many, many murder trials, and most of them do uh, have a legal aid representative. Very, very expensive. But as we've learned, uh, a guy like Tom Dungy does a superb job given you know the tools that he has to work with. So, yeah, I would, I would think that Mr. Smith is, is being helped by the taxpayers here. Okay, thanks for that. All right, thanks, Sharon. Much appreciated. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Doris, go ahead. What's your question for Alex? Oh, thank you, Alex. Wonderful coverage. Thanks, Dumb Doris. questions, but has Smitch's lawyer, has he ever said to him, if you want to prove your innocence, why don't you take a polygraph? Hmm. Well, polygraphs, and I thank you for your call, polygraphs aren't really, um, you know, they're not considered um evidence that is reliable because it's, you know, a technology base. So, you know, that wouldn't help. Neither of them did, of course, but they're not really admissible in court. They're kind of the icing on the cake. If you've got one and it comes out in your favor, but no, in this case, that was never put up as an option, and I don't think either of the men would have likely taken one of those. Here's another dumb question. Has no lawyer- question is dumb, by the way. <laughs> Has his lawyer ever said to him, look... Your memory keeps telling you that you have no idea where you put that gun. Will you allow to go under hypnosis and try to direct your memory for that night to Mm. find the gun? (laughs) Well, (laughs) that would mean that Mr. Smitch uh, or Mr. Millard would have to actually do the right thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, look, I I don't think they want... uh, to aid in the helping of anybody finding this gun. It's not in either of their best interests to have this gun appear. So I, I don't think anyone's going to uh, be coming forward. Maybe after we get the results of it, uh, you know, you could put that notion to them. But my, my, in, in seeing what these, certainly Mr. Smitch, you know, his track record eh, is not the greatest, I'll say. You know, he, he's not a guy who, um, he's, he was no... Cub Scout, you know, he, he was a, a, a long-time drug dealer. This is a guy that, you know, um, was an admitted career. He's got seven convictions against him. So the chances of him actually ever coming forward and, and doing anything to help the police, he's had plenty of opportunity, plenty of opportunity. All of these people in the inner circle, I'll remind you, had plenty of opportunity to go to the police and to aid them with the investigation to expedite information that not only would have given the Bosma's peace of mind, but would have helped them uh, put together the, the pieces of this investigation much sooner, and none of them did. I don't get the sense that anything's going to change that now. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Doris. You. Appreciate the call. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. John, what's your question for Alex? Okay, I went to go to a hearing a couple of weeks ago to just witness all of this, and it might be off topic, but it might be relevant. In the courtroom, I noticed there was um, uh, some windows up uh, high uh, in the courtroom. It looked like it was two-way mirrors, whatnot. Mm-hmm. What exactly is behind those windows in the, in the courtroom there? Hmm. 
well, that would be for security. Um, and a lot of courtrooms have that. Oftentimes, the court uh, sketch artists will sit up there so that they can get a good look of the entire courtroom. Uh, so that's one use for it. But that would be for uh, security uh, when you get high-profile cases so that uh, extra security can be brought in to keep an eye uh, and make sure that they're watching. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks Thank for the call, John. Appreciate it. 905 645 3221, star 9900 on your cell. We're going to do this right after the news as well. So we'll continue this for the next half hour. We'll squeeze Linda in here first. Linda, go ahead. You're on with Alex. Are you? Oh, hang on. Let me try again. <laughs> oh, hang on. There we go. Up on I know. Linda, are you there? Yes, I'm, I'm here. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead. You're on with Alex. Hi, Alex. Hey, Linda. I've enjoyed reading your tweets, keeping us all up to date. Thank you. This is kind of going off subject, but can we look forward to your coverage of the accessory? Uh, of Kyle. Christina Nubda and the other, uh, in Christina Nubda's case? Uh, I don't know. You know, um, that's a decision I guess that will have to be made after the fact. But uh, if you're asking if I'd be covering a her trial, I would like to, I think, because I, I know this trial so, so well now that it would be, it, you know, court reporting is not easy. So it's always nice when right. you've kind of got a lot of background on a case. And in this case, given that Dylan Millard will, in fact, be testifying and likely Mr. Smith at some point, uh, it would make sense for me to cover it. And, and I think uh, given uh, I've built this relationship with the Bosmas and, and the family friends and that, I know that they want the case covered. Um, and so I think that they're hoping that a lot of the core media that have been there uh, will continue on and, and cover that as well. Yeah, well, I'm sure this is what most of us who follow all of you are wishing. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to you'll have to go to the bosses for that one. That one's out of my head. But duly, no, but duly, 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 yeah, okay, the duly first. noted, and I will pass that along. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, back to the phones. Alex is with us, and Ryan is on the line. Ryan, what's your question for Alex? I have two questions. Uh, first one is I know from watching you know all the CSI shows, evidence is kept in a box you know, for a certain amount of time. My question is, what happens to the truck? Um, mm. is, it, is it kept? Is it destroyed? Well, I mean, at some point, it will be released, and I would think it would be released to the family to do what it uh, chooses to do with. Um, after a certain amount of time, uh, it will it just be, it will, it will be released and, and likely be destroyed. It's like, I don't know if you recall um, the situation in the, in the, forgive me his name, Paul Bernardo, you know, the house. They eventually burned yeah. it down, or uh, not burned it down, tore, tore it down. down. Yeah. Um, and so, look, after a period of time, I would think that it would be released. Uh, it will be kept, obviously, for some time, but it, after a while, it would just be released. Okay, and then my other question is, now that Dellen, let's just say it, it has been found guilty, uh, I know that there's been some investigation with his um, apparent father's suicide and, and I'll stop and I'll stop you. Hang on a sec, hang on a sec right there. Hang on a sec. Okay, go ahead, uh, Alex. Yeah, I'll stop you right there only because uh, we can't talk about that. Um, and, and once, so I can't talk about any other matters outside of this, and I want to be really careful uh, with that. But it, once we go into, uh, you know, the jury is put out, I'll be able to answer other questions that will bring sense uh, to any other outstanding matters, and that's where I'll have to leave it at. It's quite delicate. Um Ben, I know where he was going, but uh, right now, I, I yep. have to leave that. All right, Ryan. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Thank you. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. And again, just appreciate for the legalities involved. There's only certain questions Alex can answer. Uh, you feel free to ask, but uh, she'll just have to say a no comment if she can't. Ralph is on the line. Ralph, what is your question for Alex? Yeah, uh, uh, Ms. Pearson. I, um, I always hear you talking about the Bosma family, but um, I used to work with uh, um, her, her uh, father, like Spinstra. Mm-hmm. Are they there on the trial, too? The, are the Bosmas on trial? No, the Vinstra. Her, her maiden name is Vinstra. Right. So, so what's, and, what's, and what's your question? Well, but whether or not you see her dad or her mother at the trial. Uh, or not. Oh, yes. Parents of uh, hers. Yes, Charlene's uh, mom is with her every day, and her stepdad is there every day. They've got a really, all of them, I mean, the whole Bosma family, they, they come at the same people every day, the brothers, the sisters, parents, uh, family on, on Charlene's side as well. They all come every day. They sit in the same seats, and they do a prayer. Uh, they're a real, like, army of people, and they are there. They, they keep to themselves. We don't bug them. You know, if they approach to talk to us, and, and, and they have certainly gotten to know us, uh, there's like a, been a, a core of media that have been there from day one, and, 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 you know, certain members have come in after the fact, but there's been really kind of just this core team of media there that, that you know, they some of them they knew before with the investigation, but certainly they've gotten to know the rest of us during the trial. And, and you know, it was a matter of winning over trust and for them to get to know us and, and in time develop friendships. But we try very much to give them their space, uh, not hound them, but certainly we have some great conversations. Uh, and I've just come to admire all of them so much. They, they have a strength. I don't, I don't understand where it comes from. They just mm. have an amazing amount of strength. Yeah, I worked with her dad 30 years ago, but mm-hmm. I thought I'd seen him walk out with her a couple of times on TV, but I wasn't sure because I hadn't seen him for quite a while, but mm. probably it was. All yeah. right, thanks for the call, Ralph. Much appreciated. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Jen, you're on the line with Alex. What's your question? Are you there, Jen? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Um, I, have a, I have a question. I'm not sure if she can answer this or not, but... Um, what, when you when you have the charges that Christina Nuga is um, charged with, do you know um, approximately um, like a minimum of how many years she's looking at if convicted? I think you asked me what Christina Nuga faces under her charge if convicted, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She would likely, with a charge like that, get something like four to seven years. That's the kind of charge that's up there with manslaughter, where you, you don't get a huge sentence, but it's a pretty serious charge. Like, make no mistake about it. Accessory after the fact murder is no laughing matter. So if convicted, you know, up to, to life, although you've never, I, don't, I can't think of a case where actually life has been given. So it's more yeah. likely in the range of four to, to eight years, four to seven years. Hmm. So would they take into consideration the amount of time she had already spent in jail? Well, she has only, she has not spent, uh, she spent four months in jail. She'll get credit for that time. Uh, okay. She's convicted, of course. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, 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 crown, the crown wants what it wants, and they, they, they will go hard on her. I mean, she, she's got a got a bit of a challenge ahead of her. Um, but, yeah, that, that's a pretty serious charge. It gets four to seven. 
Okay, thank you. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate the call. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Joining us, Alex Pearson, who, of course, has been covering the Tim Bosma murder trial for us. And, uh, well, you know what, Alex? Tell us what exactly stage we're at right now and why we're able to talk today. Yeah, we're in the stage of where the Crown has told the jury that they have presented their case. So we will not be seeing any more evidence. And right now the lawyers are meeting with the judge to, uh, you know, do the legal uh, issues surrounding the charge. The charge is what comes after closing arguments. Closing arguments are going to be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of each team will have a day to present their case. Someone asked me this morning, can they go longer? Yes, they can go longer. Is it a idea to go longer than that? Not really, because you lose focus, and sometimes you can lose the attention. Uh, but again, this is a really big, long trial, so each of them will have a day and hopefully finish up in that day uh, of their closing arguments. And then we go into the charge, which the judge has said will take about two days. And in that two days, he will give them very specific instructions uh, on how they can essentially come to their conclusion, uh, how they can come to first degree, how they can come to second degree, how they could come to manslaughter, or how they could come to an acquittal. So it's very technical. It is my least favorite part of a trial. This mm. is very, very specific instruction. Uh, but it is crucial for this jury to understand how they can come uh, to the outcome. You know, you bring up a valid point too, Alex, and that being that you, you probably don't want to take a long time with your closing mm-hmm. arguments because what you're trying to do is capsulate everything that you've just tried to prove and, and, and keep everybody's attention through the whole thing. Yeah, the Millard team will go first, and uh, it'll be the other lawyer, um, Pillay, Raven Pillay, who will, will do the closings on it. But you're right. What we ended up seeing with the cross-examination of Mark Smitch is, I think, after five days, you get a little fatigued. Yeah. Um, if someone like me is getting fatigued and, and losing focus, you can only imagine what a jury. So that's the risk you take in, in trying to beat down a, a witness on the stand, is that you may lose something in translation. Um, so I think, you know, you want to be very clear, very focused in your clothes, and you also want the passion to show through. So each of these lawyers will have spent weeks, not days, weeks, writing their clothes, rewriting it, going over it. They'll spend all this weekend writing those closing arguments. The crown will go last, and you bet they'll knock it out of the park. But what they're doing is summarizing their case and telling the jury why it is their client deserves to be released. And the Crown will once again put its case forward as to why they should uh, be convicted of first degree. Uh, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. If you have a question for Alex Pearson, who's been covering the Tim Bosma murder uh, trial, uh, call us now, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Uh, Alex, how did the, the Crown end this case? How did they finalize what you know his day and his presentation well craig fraser went uh to i think something that left a lot of people wincing when it came out and it was this testimony from marlena menezes who explained that when she saw her boyfriend after frantically looking for him on the evening of the sixth and into the morning hours of the seventh uh said that when they picked her up at her apartment and we've seen surveillance video of her getting into that vehicle of Mr. Switch hugging her opening the door I guess the gentleman that he was and she explained that they were very excited very very happy bopping in their seats because the mission had quote-unquote gone so well and so Mr. Fraser you know played that back to him this woman who 
was trustworthy, honest, uh, and pointed out that they weren't celebrating the fact that a mission had gone well. They were celebrating because they had just killed and incinerated a man. So it was p- pretty powerful. He had, Fraser has a lot of really, really strong, strong moments. Certainly when he put his theory to the crown that Tim Bosman was shot and killed within, you know, two minutes of leaving his home. Certainly in, in pointing out that it would have been impossible for one man to lift a six-foot man, 170 pounds, and put him by himself into an incinerator, uh, using literally the texts and the conversations that Mr. Smith and Mr. Millard had in the days after. You know, he, he painted, Mr. Smith painted Bellin Millard as a lunatic. And, and Mr. Uh, and Craig Fraser said, really? So why didn't you drive away? Why didn't you take the Yukon you were driving and go the other way? Or why would it be that you were talking to him, asking him to chill and hang out on May 9th? You know, you're, you're having these conversations with Del Millard, who you're, apparently you're terrified, and you're saying, yo, what's up, bro? Who calls a, a, you know, a yeah. lunatic bro? So I thought it was very, very, uh, very, very strong to point that out, that maybe you just weren't that scared because you were a part of this whole thing. Surprised that that was it? It ended there? No. No, I knew the Crown would be very direct and very, very focused. They, they were not going to take a long time, uh, as we saw with the Millard team, who had a lot more ground to cover. They wanted to zero in on what they felt uh, was the most powerful part of, of their case. And I think they did a very, very good job. And I think that, you know, I always said, wait till you hear all sides. Because as soon as Mark Smitch testified under Dungy, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Dungy's lawyer, a lot of people were saying, well, I can believe that. I totally believe that. And I said, just wait. Just wait yeah. until you've heard all three sides of this. And then you get better context. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Uh, Christine's on the line. Christine, what is your question for Alex Pearson? Um, hi, Alex. Hi, Scott. Um, amazing job you've done, Alex. Kudos Thank to you. you. Um, I was driving, so I'm not sure if this has been answered already. With the jury being out right now, are they sequestered? Not yet. No, so they're again, they've got a couple of days from, off. From letting any, any information out? What's, to, sto- what's to stop them from letting informa- any information out or hearing any information from the media? But I guess they're told to stay away and, and, and just uh, the honor system don't listen, correct? Pretty much, yeah. They're told and instructed by the judge not to look at social media, not to watch the news, and they're told not to talk to anybody. And that's why juries get so close. So uh, especially on a trial like this where four months they've been together, they become each other's sounding boards, they become good friends, they create a really, really strong bond. And if they're anything like, I think, the group of media we have down there, they have a vested interest in making sure that that this is carried out properly, uh, that they do their job. They see the Bosmas in there every single day. They see this family every single day. They see the accused. They they understand the gravity of this story, given the amount of coverage. So it's not something that they would want to do, which would be to mess it up. Now, keep in mind, there are 13 jurors right now. One was excused because of a death in the family. Um, and, and it was at that, actually that time, Scott, that we really kind of got a glimpse of how close this jury had, has become mm. because many of them were crying. So mm. they become like a family to each other. Um, and so they won't really want to speak out on this. And certainly, even when they're finished and sequestered, we will never hear from this jury because in Canada, we don't talk to juries. Uh, about what they talked about, what they what they debated, uh, or, or certainly uh, we won't get any books like we do in the United States. It's just a totally different system. Mm. Thank goodness, because the last thing we want right now is any reason for there to be an appeal. Let it well, go to be uh, yeah. judged properly and, and uh, hopefully the right results. 
Yeah, no, and, and, and also bringing up a good point about appeals, Scott. I mean, no, no matter what happens here, you can pretty much guarantee there will be an appeal. If, if yeah. there's you know anything less than first degree, the Crown would appeal it. Uh, and chances are, if there's a conviction in this... Thank you very much, country. Alex. Thank All you. right, thanks very much. Appreciate the call. Uh, and so you cut out at the end there. So uh, chances are there'll be an appeal either way, is what you're saying. Yeah, it, generally speaking, it's how it goes. I mean, it, it would be very unusual not to have an, uh, some kind of an appeal. Uh, you were talking about uh, 13 jurors. Uh, they only need 12. So what happens with that scenario as they go into deliberation? They will reduce the 13 to 12. They will pick a foreman, and then they will be taken to a hotel. The TVs will go off. The phones will go away. Uh, and they will literally be kept in their own little world, shut off from everybody. And they will... Uh, discuss for any from 10 minutes to 10 days, go as long as they want about the evidence, uh, about what they've heard, how they're feeling, um, and then hopefully they'll come to the conclusion. I have no idea how long it will take this jury. I know how long it would take me, mm. but, you know, and a lot of people say, well, what's to think about? But there, there's a lot to go through. Yeah, and uh, that's and your job. Your job's to process all of that. So, you, yeah, yeah, you can see them taking that quite seriously. For uh, sure. uh, so there's 13 now. They only need 12. So at the end of the day, there's a person that is sat there in the end and that won't be involved. Is that correct? There's someone who's you know, voted off the island, so to speak. Yes, but that will not diminish the role uh, that they played, and certainly they'll they'll probably. I, I would think that these these men and women will likely stay in touch for the rest of their lives because right. they share this bond. I can't tell you how uh, much this jury uh, has given of their lives yeah. to, to do this. It's not glamorous. It's interesting for sure. But they're away from their families, they're away from their jobs, they're away from appointments. I mean, your whole life is put on hold, and it's not like they're making a lot of money. They get paid minimal amounts of money uh, after a certain period of time. Uh, it's a huge amount for them to go through. And don't forget, a lot of them will be completely after the fact. Uh, you know, go through this shock of what they've heard because it's, yeah. it's pretty hideous, you know? So, uh, uh, and another uh, listener has asked, what, um, so is this done by draw? You just decide, you know, who gets to go by draw? Is that how it's done, lottery form? Yeah, I don't actually know that. That's a good question. I, I'll, I'll look into that. I would assume that the 13th person would be cut. Right. Uh, and, and it might be up to the judge's discretion on who they cut. But I would think that 13 and 14 would be the obvious right. cut. Makes sense, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, Phil writes, um, uh, right now it is a he said, he said, whereby Millard says Smitch did it. Smitch says Millard did it. Is there a chance this can create enough reasonable doubt with the jury that Millard and Smitch could be acquitted? Sure. It depends on what the jury it takes one juror to say, you know what, I believe Mark Smitch, and I, I, I see this a totally different way, and there you go. Um, yeah, sure, they can be acquitted. I, I find it highly doubtful, but I mean, yeah, anything can go. Or, as I've said a number of times, they can come back with completely different outcomes where one of them gets first degree, another gets you know, second or vice versa. So, yeah, it can go any which way. There is never anything like a sure thing in the courts. It is he said, he said, 
what Crown said. So the evidence does speak. The fact that Bella Millard's fingerprints were found in Tim Bosma's truck. The fact that uh, his keychain was found in Dellen Millard's truck. The fact that there's so much physical evidence as far as the truck being in the, the hangar, and there's no dispute that the two men were there. I mean, it would be very difficult um, for them to dispute that. So, um, yeah, but it can go any which way. Uh, another question from Mike on Facebook said, uh, question for Alex, I was surprised when the Crown didn't question the bearing of the gun with a shovel as Smitch claims. I mean, who would ride a bike with a shovel in their hands and bury such a relatively uh, small item? I don't believe the gun was buried at all and is probably in someone else's possession. Thoughts on that? Well, that, that's, that very well could be. The bottom line is, will the jury buy his story? He couldn't even, it was actually kind of one of the comical moments in, in the court when Sachak, you know, said, I'm going to measure the, the, the shovel for you. Was it like a spade like this? And he started putting his, his hands kind of like inching them out. Right. And his hands were stretched as far as they could. He said, was the shovel this big? And everyone kind of laughed. He couldn't remember. So he doesn't remember if it was a spade, a shovel. It could have been a snow shovel. It could have been a snow remover or, yeah. or a backhoe. He did not want to remember. Um, so where is the gun? That is like the $64,000 question. Where is it? It's either in the ground somewhere on this planet, or it could be in the hands of someone else. No one knows. All right, closing arguments uh, coming up, and then, yeah. of course, the charge to the jury, and then it is up to them. They will be sequestered and, uh, and have to make their decision. As you look back on, man, how many weeks has this been now? So, yeah, uh, it's been since February 1st. As you look back on this, what are your impressions of the case? What, what stands out for you? Well, the Bosmas, uh, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. These people are absolutely uh, phenomenal. And, and I know people have been really touched to them. They've been horrified along with them. I mean, these people have heard stuff that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. And this is what they've heard about a husband, father, son, and, and to think what they've had to listen to and what they go through. And then they come to people like me and say, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, why are you ch-? like? They they are so generous in mm. thinking of others, um, and the fact that Charlene Bosma has taken this horrific incident in her life and that has affected her and her her child, and really is now fighting for other victims of crime. I mean, if anyone wants to do something for the Bosmas, if you're really that much wanting to help. You know, they're raising money for other victims of violent crime. This is their life now, is to turn this around and help others. And I think that speaks volumes about who they are. So that, and just the Crown, the Crown has presented just an immaculately uh, well-put-together case. And uh, and I I think they deserve kudos as well. What about the detective work and the forensics involved in this, too? Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, Hamilton police from the get-go, just the fact that they subpoenaed phone records within, like, two hours of Mr. Bosman being missing. I mean, these were multiple, multiple, multiple layers of, of police investigation from a number of different units, and they worked cohesively. They did such good work together, uh, really, in finding this. And Igor Tumanenko, a guy who was just randomly called by the police who said, oh, yeah, I saw a guy with an ambition tattoo. Had Igor Tumanenko not noticed that tattoo... Not only could he have been Tim Bosma and dead, if not for his size Mm. and the fact that he was in the Israeli army helped him, but the fact that he noticed this ambition tattoo and said it to police, and from there they were able to to get a profile going of Dellen Millard. And had that not happened, it would have taken them much longer to break this case. 
Fascinating. All right, still to come, obviously, uh, in uh, next week, uh, the uh, final uh, arguments from both yeah. sides and then charge to the jury. Alex Pearson has been with us, of course, covering the Tim Bosman murder trial. Alex, phenomenal job. Thanks very much yeah, for the time. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Much Brandon. appreciated. We'll have more to talk about, obviously. Yeah, let's do this again. This uh, this has certainly generated a lot of interest. Thank you, Alex. Much appreciated.